to another episode of the Red Reporter Podcast. It is uh, the evening of March 9th, uh, 2021. We are watching the Cincinnati Reds try to play against the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. Um, both sides pretty much fielded a, uh, a pretty solid uh, a roster full of regulars. Um, you saw Max Muncy and Chris Taylor in the lineup for, for the Dodgers. Uh, Jimmy Nelson on the mound for them, looking much like the Jimmy Nelson who was very, very good a couple years ago for the Brewers. Uh, the Reds rolling out a pretty pretty stout lineup of regulars as well. Um, they just kind of get a chance to watch the Reds play on television during spring training, which is something that we've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do a couple times in the last few days. Um, it's really given us a chance to kind of get you know put eyes on uh, what this 2021 Reds club is supposed to look like, which we didn't really get a chance to do for the first first week or so of spring training because there wasn't much TV. Obviously, there aren't a whole lot of fans in the stands, much less beat reporters and cameramen as well. So uh, it's been interesting to kind of get caught up on what this club looks like. You know, uh, it's a club that was built uh, strategically a year ago to kind of compete in a 2020 season that obviously was shortened and, and didn't end up going much uh, the way that anybody expected. And then they were pretty quiet this offseason, hoping that what they had in place was uh, was going to be enough for this year. And so seeing them on TV is always always a, a good reference point to kind of see what things look like uh, at this point of spring training. Um, apparently, there's been enough in spring training that has uh, uh, Fangraphs and Red Reporter writer Tony Wolf optimistic and excited about this Reds club. So, Tony, what the heck, man? What's got you so so jazzed about this collection of Reds? I think jazzed would be an, would be an overstatement. Uh, no, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the, uh, the spring. I just, the more I've, the more I've, uh, sat down and thought about the Reds roster, um, the, the more I, the more I've just kind of had to remind myself how similar it is, especially on the, in the, on the lineup side, uh, how similar it is to 2020 when they were supposed to be really good and they're expected to hit a lot. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys were disappointing last year. Uh, you know, Castellanos was a lot closer to merely league average than, uh, people hoped that he would be. Um, Mike Moustakis was, uh, injured a lot. Nixon Zell, uh, again, had his playing time severely limited. Um, Joey Votto has been, you know, had, had these weird streaks of, ineffectiveness for, for the last couple of years so um the, the offense never clicked and uh that ended up culminating obviously in uh i think 22 innings of scoreless baseball in the postseason but uh yeah i i am just it's it's so weird because the team the offseason was just mostly spent in in cash stripping mode uh and uh trying to dump payroll and not adding talent where they needed to and so that uh obviously was uninspiring for a lot of people and uh doesn't doesn't uh make you a whole lot more confident that they can 
improve upon 2020 this year, especially with the uh, with the Cardinals going out and getting Nolan Arenado and the Brewers, you know, not necessarily being huge spenders, but filling a couple of holes with some nice players and Colton Wong and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. But uh, yeah, I've I've been trying to remember as the season approaches here that the Reds lineup was supposed to be pretty good last last year and the reasons that they weren't as we've like talked about uh on the site before have a lot to do with uh batted ball luck and some just weird things like that they did they walked a lot and they hit for a lot of power and uh those are good things and those those are things that should translate well into 2021 and into 2021 uh but yeah I don't know I don't know that it is it is enough obviously but the the more I've the the closer we get to the season uh the more I remember what this team was supposed to look like last year and that while last year was disappointing that dream is not completely dead yet yeah, no, I think that's that's a pretty good way of, of describing it. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, the twenty twenty one Reds, uh, they've got to be better than last year uh, to make any sort of you know relevance happen. Um, they didn't do a lot on the transactional end this winter, but you look up at the players that are back, and it's hard to identify really anybody who looks like they should be worse this year than they were last year. Uh, you know, almost all the way up and down the roster. Yeah, I mean. Maybe Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray aren't quite as good as they were last year. Maybe TJ Antone isn't quite as good as he was last year. We'll get into him a little bit later. Um, but aside from that, you look up at, at what this Reds roster is. Everybody else really should be better. You know, um, you know, honestly, the the one position that looks like it might be worse last year or this year than it was last year might even be shortstop. And that's the one position that everybody kind of universally thought it would be impossible not to upgrade because there were so many options. Um, yeah. It, what they've got right now doesn't look like it's going to be world beating. Uh, but last year, Freddie Galvis wasn't exactly world beating either. And it might be about the same everywhere else across the diamond. People should be pretty much better. So I, I get that. The, the one big thing that I'm looking forward to finding out about is whether or not this pitching staff, which is leaning hard into player development more so than it ever has before can kind of pick up the void that has been left by losing the Cy Young winner from last year, losing Anthony DiScofani and losing Rysel Iglesias and Archie Bradley. Um, but what we've seen from some of the arm talent in camp so far has been pretty impressive if they can harness it. Um, also joining us tonight, Brandon Crailing, BK. Hey. What's going on, buddy? Um, what are your latest, thoughts on latest intro ever? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, t- Tony being optimistic, happy to jump in. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't I, wait on that. I right? feel you. I feel you. I, I've been it, ever since Tony mentioned to us uh, that he was optimistic. I've been itching to hear why all day long. So, um, yeah, I mean, and actually, I mean, I kind of, I agree with him on a lot of a lot of that. I mean, really, when you come, when you think about the players that didn't perform last year. A lot of it was bad luck on offense. Um, but you know, I, I mean, and I mean, you would hope that, you know, Shogo Akiyama can hit even like remotely close to, 
to where he was last year or where he was in Japan. Um, and, you know, hopefully you get a little bit more out of guys that didn't really get going last year. You know, you're even your Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez, who are pretty much known commodities at this point, but you just didn't really see it uh, over that 60 games. So, you know, I, I, I think that there is a lot to kind of hope for. I mean, obviously, there's even room for improvement too, right? I mean, with, you know, hey, Nick Senzel could take another step forward uh, this, this coming season. Um, you know, Jesse Winker was largely very good, but, you know, we saw glimpses of, you know, what he can do if he's in the lineup every day. Um, you know, if they can find a place to put him uh, in left field or, you know, wherever they put him, um, I think that'd be, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. But, you know, you're basically replacing, you know, Kurt Casale with Tyler Stevenson, which on offense, it seems like that could be a pretty significant upgrade. Um, and then, you know, the really the only other change, as, as you mentioned, was uh, shortstop, which you know, Kyle Farmer's not going to hit any worse than Jose Garcia did in the time that he was up. Last God, year. I hope not. Yeah. And so if, if that's, if that's what, what they end up going with, you, you know, we last year around this time, we justified, okay, if you have these other seven guys in the lineup every day and, you know, Freddie Galvis is your shortstop, you know, you can you can make the playoffs and you can do some damage with that lineup. You know, it's basically the same situation with base, literally the same lineup. Um, you know, it's just you just got to hope that so whoever they put their hits, uh, whether that's Kyle Farmer or um, D. Straight Gordon or whoever. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's more optimism now that we've seen a little bit. Um, I think – I think the the off season in general has just been uh, the story of them not getting a shortstop and that really kind of taking a toll on the fan base as far as the expectations go. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I tend to think that the lineup should be better. <laughs> How much better is uh, is up for debate, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, when you, when you're a front office and you just let. Russell Iglesias go for basically nothing like no Noe Ramirez is a fine uh pitcher uh out of the bullpen you know he has been for the last couple years he's he's not anywhere in the vicinity of what Iglesias uh has been and what he has the you know potential to be in 2021 so when you're front office that makes a move like that then you are communicating on some level that we we are not trying our hardest to win uh this coming year and that's you just by doing that you make it a whole lot harder for uh your fans to to be genuinely optimistic when that bit of good faith uh that they were hoping that you would show is gone yeah uh so about Noe Ramirez that's that's kind of a perfect segue here because he was the you know, pretty much the primary return for Rice Iglesias, aside from the primary return being save $7 million. Um, I agree with you guys both, which is that what you get a 680 OPS or 650 OPS at a shortstop and decent defense. If everybody else who's supposed to be good on the offensive side ends up being good enough on the offensive side and you get 
the Dixon Zell Shogo Akiyama production from center field that you hope you can get, you can stomach having basically nothing offensively from shortstop. That's fine. Back to Noe Ramirez. Um, the pitching side of this equation is the one thing that is really kind of standing out to me uh, for a couple of different reasons. Obviously, there's no Trevor Bauer. There's no Di Sclafani. There's no Iglesias. There's no Archie Bradley. We know that. That's a cost-saving move, and it's something that the Reds chose to kind of address um, with a strategy that is going to be very, very difficult to navigate if things don't break the Reds' way. Uh, I mentioned Noe Ramirez because the return for Rysel Iglesias is a guy who's out of options. You look at the rest of the Reds' roster as it stands right now, um, and the projected roster as it could be, the Reds are featuring a ton of guys who potentially could be out of options. Ramirez, Saurmano, Jeff Hoffman, maybe Jose De Leon, maybe Sionel Perez. Um, the pitchers that they've got that they've accumulated and acquired in this kind of cost-saving move of bringing in guys who look like they could break out but haven't yet, they've got a lot of guys who they can't simply option to AAA. Um Right now, we're, we're kind of waiting to find out on a couple of different guys whether or not they have an option for the 2021 season or not, based on the fact that the 2020 season was modified, shrunk, and we're waiting to see what kind of what counts as service time and doesn't. Uh, and an arbiter will help determine that in the coming days. But the fact of the matter is, the Reds have leaned heavily into a bunch of guys who they can't simply stash in AAA if things go don't go right. Um. What are your thoughts on that as an overall strategy and how Nick Crawl is going to be able to manage potentially eight guys that look like they could make the opening day 26-man roster not having options um, in a year where you're going from 60 to 162 games and picking up all of those innings is going to require a lot of roster shuffling to be able to make it happen without leaving guys kind of high and dry. Uh, uh, BK, you want to start on that one, man? Yeah, so I mean, I I mean, as optimistic as as Tony is about the offense side of the ball, I have I kind of have felt the same way about the pitching, oddly enough. Um, you know, and with even less of a of a reason to. Like, you know, when you look at everything that this pitching staff lost over this offseason, you know, you have you lost Trevor Bauer, the Cy Young winner, right? And, you know, Anthony Scafani and an arm who's been here a while, who's had success here. Um, and then basically your two, two of your premier relievers. Um, it's hard to think that the pitching for the Reds is going to be, you know, as good this season as it was in 2020. But when you think, when you look at the guys that they have and, the guys that are now getting more of a chance, I, you know, I, I think that there's still reasons to be optimistic. You know, when you look at TJ Antone, for example, which, you know, you really TJ Antone got, you know, a, he had to come in and kind of save their butts a couple of times, but overall, you know, he, he didn't really get an extended look in the rotation. Um, and you know, I, you you feel like he could win that spot. He could run with it. You know, what, from what we've seen from TJ Antone, I mean, he's he could be a big leaguer for a really long time. And 
just to have him kind of filling in that gap, um, you know, to have even Michael Lorenzen coming up uh, and, you know, potentially starting for the Reds, um, you know, even if he doesn't, it's, he's still going to be in a good, in a good spot. So, you know, I, I think that there are like little, little things to be excited about with the, with the Reds pitching, um, you know, Noe Ramirez has, uh, he has a track record of, of being able to pitch in the big leagues. And then some of the other guys that they brought in, you know, Cam Bedrosian, we haven't even brought up who has been, you know, in, you know, former pretty high pick and, you know, former big leaguer with the angels, you know, you have these talented arms that are now getting this second look from Derek Johnson and uh, you know Kyle Bodie and whoever, whoever else uh, on the driveline team who is working with the Reds pitching. You know, I think there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to like here. And, you know, when you, we watch, you know, the thing that stuck out to me so far in camp is our guys like CNO Perez, who is somebody who, you know, pitches from the left side is, you know, can spin the hell out of the ball. And that's, you know, we're, we're seeing guys like that have success at the big league level, um, you know, with the right system. And, you know, if the Reds are the right system for CNO Perez and he's, you know, either a shutdown reliever or, a, you know, a potential starting starting guy um you know he's if he's the left-handed michael lorenzen that's gonna feel pretty good and you have to feel pretty good about your chances at that point yeah no no doubt about it and you know almost on perfect perfect timing here uh josiah gray is taking the mound for the los angeles dodgers in this game against the reds as we as we talk our way through this speaking of guys that are on the cusp of being able to make their you know, a serious significant impact at the big league level and also have the ability to bounce back and forth between the minors. Uh, we've got a former top pick of the Reds and former top prospect of the Reds who's now going up against Eugenio Suarez. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's a concept I think that we, we knew was happening, we wanted to happen, but until it actually really happened, we didn't really know exactly how to, how to describe it. But the fact is, this is Kyle Bodie. Derek Johnson and player development, which is something the Cincinnati Reds franchise never really had a good enough track record to really give any sort of anticipation to. But right now we look at the pitching staff and it's obviously headlined by some really good arms, but we are trusting in the system itself more than we are the individuals, which is something as a Cincinnati Reds fan has not been the case at all, perhaps ever. Uh, and that's kind of the, the interesting part about all this. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, I mean, just as far as the options go, it, it, it's, it does just make it, it, it presents such, such an obstacle uh, to a team if it is trying to win every night. You know, it, collecting a bunch of players who are out of options on deals like the Reds have made this offseason it's something you I, th- I think you normally see rebuilding clubs make because of the fact that if a guy's out of out of options but he's an interesting arm um you know a team like you know pittsburgh this year or colorado or texas somebody like that is not going to have any issue running him out there 40 times a year out of the bullpen because if he 
you know, you're willing to show some patience to see if there's anything there um, and let him try to work through things on your major league team, knowing that winning isn't super important for you this year. Um, as that's, I hope not where the Reds are right now. Uh, the Reds are in a position, uh, hopefully where they are still counting on winning every night. Uh, they are doing, they're trying to optimize the roster, not for, uh, the future necessarily anymore, because they've been doing that for years and years by this point. They're trying to optimize the roster any given day to, to win that night's game. And, and that becomes pretty hard when you're, when you have to carry, um, a, a bunch of guys early in the season who are out of options and you're afraid you're, you're going to lose, uh, you know, down the road, you know, I, guys like, guys like Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims, you're not really concerned about, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in those guys being major league pitchers, but guys like, uh, Sal Romano, uh, and Jeff Hoff, Hoffman who haven't really, haven't really shown, um, you know, a, a ton of, uh, progress recently in, in the big leagues. Um, how much, how long do, are the Reds going to expect to be able to, to keep them around past opening day, uh, if they aren't successful, if, if they are really struggling through the month of April, uh, how aggressive does this, is this team prepared to be to, uh, promote a guy to take their place? Because they do have a lot of arms and even at, even, you know, outside of the, um, you know, options uh, debacle that they're in. They have a bunch, a bunch of arms in the top of the minors that they could have to supplement talent at the big league level. Uh, how how aggressive are they going to be willing to be uh, with replacing some of these guys if they struggle early on? Uh, if it means that they might have to uh, expose Sourmano, Sino Perez. Uh, Noe Ramirez, uh, you know, Jeff Hoffman, one of those guys to the rest of the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the way I look at it right now, well, I should I should side note, Nick Senzel just took Josiah Gray deep for a home run. So um, that's good. The, Red, the Reds won the <laughs> trade, apparently. Um, the, the way I look at it is the shortened 2020 season, the Reds threw a total of 503 innings. Um Simple math, I think, which I did a minute ago, and I'm not looking at it right now, so I might get it wrong, but 162 times 9 is a 1,458 innings. Um, so the Reds have to find 958 more innings than they pitched last year. And while it's intuitive to say, yeah, well, a lot of pitchers threw bullpens and they threw side sessions and everything else, and guys who threw a lot of innings before but didn't throw them last year can ramp it back up. You look at the numbers across – just how baseball works over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, stretching pitchers out from when they haven't gone that long to going that long is something that just, it opens up a lot to injury and to underperformance and to variables that you don't see when they've just in their routine routine every single year and, and whatnot. Um, my concern about this whole out of options pitching thing is that it's one part uh, uh, that there's arms in the bullpen that, you know, that you might want to rotate through if they're not performing well, which is just something that happens every single year in baseball. It's another part that the starting pitching depth 
looks to be the guys that are the out-of-option guys. And so that they're going to kind of get plugged into bullpen roles to start the season just to keep them within the organization. Guys like Jeff Hoffman, um, you know, guys like Sal Romano, uh, those guys who look like they could be Jose De Leon, the other one I, I was off the top of my head, I was forgetting. Guys who look like they could be in the mix to be that number six, number seven, number eight starter, which you will need on every baseball team at every season. Those are guys who are going to be pigeonholed into bullpen roles just to keep them within the organization. So if, God forbid, something happens to one of the the, the go-to starting five, they get injured, they get, they're get they underperforming, they need to you know, get removed from the rotation for whatever period of time, you can't simply option these guys to AAA and try to get them stretched out for a little bit and bring them back up to put in your rotation. That's a problem in any year, even if you hadn't had a shortened season beforehand. But now the guys that the Reds are kind of leaning on for depth in their starting rotation are going to get put in a, in a relief role just to keep them within the organization. And, you know, not to get too uh, analogy or metaphoric uh, driven at this point, but you talk about a basketball team. Good basketball teams have great starting fives, but they also have a, a second unit that you can kind of lean on in that regard. Uh, the second unit is those guys that you need to be able to, to fill in the gaps off, off of the 40-man roster to get yourself through a 162-game season. And the Reds seem to have leaned heavily into a lot of guys that don't have a lot of flexibility within the transactional framework of how baseball works. And that's the one thing that really concerns me is that they're going to have to lean on a bunch of guys they can't really um, – they can't option. That's the word I'm looking for. They can't option them down – uh, the, the way that you would traditionally manage a roster. And so while they've got a lot of arm talent in there right now, um, they can't really put them in the places that you would wish they would uh, under ideal transactional circumstances. And I hope that's something that the Reds haven't kind of painted themselves into a corner with uh, in yeah. that regard. And I mean, when you look at the Reds roster as it stands right now, you know, if everybody goes through healthy – you know, I think we're are we we're gonna have twenty six man rosters to start this year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's and the plan. then so you know they'll they'll probably carry you know twelve or thirteen pitchers. Maybe and I mean maybe fourteen, maybe. But when you look at the Reds roster and you go through the pitchers that are out of options, right? You know, hey, you have you know Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, um, you know. Wade Miley, Lucas Sims, Sal Romano, Amir Garrett, Sean Doolittle, you know, Michael Lorenzen, Jeff Hoffman, Sino Perez, Noe Ramirez, um, Jose De Leon. And did I say did I say Lucas Sims? Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So uh, that's twelve guys. So that's basically that's a whole staff. And that doesn't include Tyler Molly or TJ Antone who are guys who have basically have pitched well enough in the big leagues that they should be on the big league roster. There's no, like, I, I can't imagine the justification for sent, for keeping Tyler Molly or TJ Antone at triple a, or, you know, the alternate site to start the season other than this option thing. So I, the Reds are going to have to make some of these decisions before opening day. And, you know, it, Seems like, you know, if I mean, hopefully they'll get good news on Jose De Leon and CNL Perez, and those two can probably start out as alternate side guys. Um, 
you know, but, you know, Sal Romano, bad news for, for Sal Romano, man. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, there's, it's just going to be a numbers game. And even with, you know, even if you keep some of these guys in the bullpen, you can't keep all of these guys in the bullpen. I mean, really, unless, you know, you're counting Michael Lorenzen as an outfielder, you're not going to have room for all these guys on the roster. And, and let's be fair, we're counting Michael Lorenzen as a starter in this discussion. And he's a guy who's yeah. been a reliever for the last five years, who we're asking to also <laughs> stretch out into being a starter to fill one of those guaranteed spots. Um, yeah, I mean, you look up and think, okay, whether it's a, an unscheduled doubleheader or an unpredictable doubleheader because of whatever reasons or because of an injury, who, who are you calling up from AAA if you need six innings? You know, are you are you moving TJ Antone out of the bullpen having thrown one or two innings here or there and ask him to go six? Um, or are you leaning on a bullpen game? Historically speaking, if you lean on a bullpen game, immediately after that bullpen game, somebody gets option because they've thrown so many pitches they can't pitch for five days and you call somebody up from AAA. How, how, how do you do that when you've got, eight, you know, potentially when, six or seven pitchers that are out of options in your bullpen? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean – you, you don't have the flexibility to shuffle guys in and out. And right. in this, this season, especially as we saw last season, it's going to be so important to have that. You know, it, it'll, I'm really interested to see kind of how the Reds handle it just because, you know, when you look at what they did last year, you know, they did have a couple of those games toward the end of the season where it was a bullpen game. You know, Michael Lorenzen started pitched, you know, what, four or five innings. Um, you know, TJ Anton came in, gave you two or three and, you know, you just kind of go from there and just kind of piece it together, which is, you know, moderately can be moderately successful, but, you know, it's not a good situation when you're kind of pigeonholed into that by uh, your I, own I, roster construction. Hey guys, hey guys, you know who uh, is capable of throwing six innings and is currently looking for a minor league deal? Homer fucking Bailey. Homer Bailey. Woo! There's your answer. There's your answer, oh, guys. Honestly speaking, what popped to my head when Beak was speaking just now is that if you look at it, this is this is admittedly one year removed from the Reds having on paper probably the best rotation they've ever had. Um, you know, heading into the 2020 season that would have been. What popped to my head was is that the Reds assembled a pitching staff for 2021 that would have been ideal under the 2020 circumstances. You know, 60 games, you don't really need five starting pitchers, a lot of guys that can pitch multiple innings, options don't really matter, yada, yada. This roster, this pitching staff right now, would have been perfect for that scenario. And last year's roster, which almost was, you know, the, the value of having five pitchers becomes diminished when you're in short, you know, series and short periods, which is what the entire 2020 season was. They didn't even have Anthony Scafani on the playoff roster or use him for the last week of the season. That pitching staff would be perfect for a full 162 game season. It's almost like they've they've done the inverse, and that's I think what stands out to me is that as, as the as we watch them have to ramp up back to a full season, um, they don't have on paper what looks like all of the uh, the bullets they need to fire uh, to make it work. Whereas this pitching staff for last season even without Trevor Bauer, would be awesome if you knew that was what the parameters were when you were assembling it. And I think that's the weird part about it to me. 
Um, that said, there are a lot of good things that are happening in spring training right now. Um, you know, we're talking about some of the flaws that we identify, uh, despite the fact that the season hasn't really gotten started yet. Um, what we have seen from the Reds so far in spring camp, there have been some highlights. You've seen um, uh, Nixon Zell obviously hit a home run tonight. He hit one over the weekend as well. Uh, a guy who obviously we've been very, very high on for quite a while now, and we've hoped would be wherever the hell they choose to put him, whether it's third, second, short, center field, or whatever the hell they're going to do with him. It appears it's going to be center field this year, regardless of the rest of the roster. Um he looks like he's healthy, and when he's been healthy, he has produced. Um, what else has stood out to you guys so far in spring that's jumped off the page and said, okay, this is something we need to take note of and something that might be kind of one of those storylines that emerges for the 2020 Reds, or 2021 Reds, rather. Uh, Tony, you want to go? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's always tough to put any stock in uh, spring training Um uh, numbers especially this early a lot of guys have you know a lot of the pitchers are only around uh you know five innings or fewer so far and um a lot of the batters have only hit around you know 10 to 13 plate appearances something like that but uh you know like you mentioned earlier uh, Vladimir Gutierrez has uh looked good when he has pitched uh DJ Anton has just been brilliant I mean we've we, we've talked about him already, but uh, he's got eight strikeouts and no walks, I think, and five shutout innings. He just, he, he looks, he looks like he might be even, even better now stuff wise than he was a year ago, which is really exciting, obviously. Um, and then uh, as it's, I, I think it's interesting who the, who the Reds are giving uh, a lot of opportunities two right now um the you know we've seen a lot of max schrock and chesler cuthbert uh two guys who are um you know definitely on the fringes of the uh big league you know pretty far down the list of the on on the depth chart but then you we've also seen guys like uh taylor naquin and uh aristides aquino uh a lot and um guys like scott heineman even um, it, it, I, and it's, it's nice to see, uh, those players taking a little bit of priority right now in, in, sp- in the early part of the spring, because those are going to be, those going to be some of the most difficult roster spots to sort out, uh, once you get closer to the, uh, major league, uh, season starting to say, you know, to say nothing of, um, the, you know, option situation with, you know, that's pr- primarily on the pitching side. Aquino is out of options as well, I believe, but, um, you know, I deciding between uh, him and Tyler Naquin uh, could, could come down to how each one of them looks in, in spring training. Or uh, if, if, you know, again, you know, heaven forbid something else, something happens to an, a, a, starting outfielder that means that they can't start the season on the roster um we've they we've seen a lot of uh alex blandino so far um you know that it's it seems like you know the reds focus early on is getting a really setting setting up some of the guys who 
uh, are really need this spring the most right now, uh, setting those guys up to to have the most opportunities to uh, you know stake their claim to a big league spot, and uh, you know it, it's going to be it's going to be really you know th- those are the guys that I am most interested in seeing every day, you know, beyond, uh, how, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, when you wait months and months throughout the winter to watch Joey Votto hit again, uh, that's always going to be exciting, but, uh, (laughs) you know, as as you get into the doldrums of spring training and once the, once the novelty, uh, wears off after the first few days, what you're really interested in is, you know, how Alex Blandino looks and, and, uh, how, uh, some of these guys at the bottom of the uh, big league roster depth chart look and, uh, you know, hoping that those guys are going to be the ones that uh, provide a little bit of a spark once the season gets going, because that's that's usually that usually is, is what happens in some form or another. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I when I look at what I've seen so far uh, in spring training, I, th- I think you have to kind of classify it in two different distinct uh, uh silos, barrels, whatever you want to call them. It's what you've seen that looks like it's a completely different player than you've seen before and whether or not that's sustainable or just tiny sample. But then it's also what you've seen from a player that has shown you that he can do this before also and say, wow, okay, he's locked in, he's ready to go. Um, TJ Antone for me, and obviously the 2020 season was also a very small sample and it's hard to really bank on that being – defining how he is and who he is going forward. But he looks like he has not missed a single beat from the brilliant performances he put on play on display last year. He looks locked and loaded for this season. Um, You know, we just talked about guys being out of options, trying to pitch in multiple roles, trying to stretch out and literally fill almost 1500 innings of pitching that we need this year. From what I've seen from TJ Antone so far, I think he needs to be one of the Reds that gets the most innings this year. You know, whether it's in a swingman role that gives him the ability to pitch 120, 140 innings, a mix of starting and and relieving whatnot, or being just one of the Reds starting pitchers. He's been a starting pitcher for the bulk of his career so far today as a professional. TJ Anto looks to me to be the guy that might be the breakout star of this entire player development revolution that the Reds are putting themselves through what I've seen from him so far this spring has absolutely been the most impressive and the biggest standout for me because on paper you look at what the Reds have tried to pencil into their quote-unquote starting rotation he's not necessarily part of it as we wait to see how these option decisions roll in and everything else I think he's earned the right and I think his stuff has been the most electric of any player offensively or positionally in camp so far um Beak, what do you think about Antone as well as anybody else who stood out for you so far uh, this spring? Yeah, for sure. I mean, De- Antone's definitely one of the guys that, you know, you really have to think about as far as the breakout performances that we've seen, just how how awesome he's been. Um, and, you know, really so early in spring, you know, you really aren't seeing – the main guys you're seeing a lot of you're seeing a lot of the kind of fringy guys who are working their way to a decision whether that be 
you know, the decision to go to minor league camp or, you know, the decision to stick around or, you know, potentially down the line, the decision to actually make the roster. So, you know, I think that there are a couple of guys that have, you know, made pretty good cases for themselves. Um, even, you know, I think we've seen like a guy like Josh Osich a lot where, you know, lefty out of the bullpen can, um, you know, with a big league track record, you know, they're giving him a couple of chances to, you know, make his case as, you know, a situational lefty, if the, if that's a thing. Um, you know, Shane Carl, yeah, anymore, guy, right? <laughs> you know, um, but actually, you know, one, uh, one name that, um, that actually jumped out at me when I looked at the stats of who uh, still hasn't given up a run yet and who has pitched uh, three or more innings, who hasn't given up an earned run. So the names on that list right now are Tony Santian, um, you know, coming into tonight, Sino Perez, Vladimir Gutierrez coming into tonight, Jesse Biddle, TJ Antone, and one other guy. Can you, can you name the, who that guy is off the top of your head? No earned runs club so far in spring. Uh, is it Brandon Finnegan? Finnegan? It is Brandon Finnegan. Brandon Finnegan. <laughs> so, yeah, he, I mean, and another, right. Hey, he's, he's been a big leaguer. He's been a big leaguer for the Reds, former first round pick, you know, Hey, maybe he's been retooling things and can be a lefty in the bullpen. You know, how, how, crazy would it be if Brandon Finnegan put them in a, a situation where um, they had to make a, a decision there. But, you know, I, I mean, I think that it's still really early to tell on, on a lot of these guys. It was obviously really cool to see uh, Hunter Green um, the other night, you know, just kind of lazily tossing up, you know, 101, 102, 103 in his first half. Yeah, so easily. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, just winging it. Like, like it's nothing. Um, and you know, on the offensive side, it, as you said, Wick, it's a lot of the kind of Tyler Naquin and, um, Chesler Cuthbert, you know, Alfredo Rodriguez has gotten some run, um, you know, just guys like that who, um, you know, might factor in, might not, um, but I mean, will might factor in at some point this season, but probably won't factor into, you know, the opening day roster. Um, you know, it's been interesting to see Jonathan India a little bit more, um, you know, it's, he, I think he was in spring last year, but didn't get very much playing time. I don't, I don't recall. Um, you know, obviously they didn't have too many games either. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen out of him. Just kind of his approach um, at the plate. He's putting good at bats together. Looks fine on in the field. Um, has that hair. So you know. The hair, man. Um, the hair and the mustache. It's hey, hard it, to be, right? It, yeah, it's that's a winning facial hair combination. <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you there. You know, it's it's. I, I think what I've, you know, to to kind of tie a bow on this, um, you know, talking how Tony was excited about what these Reds could potentially be at the start of this particular podcast. Some of the names you mentioned are some of the guys that we should have been excited about before camp got started. And now we're seeing good things from them as well. You know, when you talk about TJ Antone, uh, you can look at his production numbers, you know, and not allowing runs and getting strikeouts. It'd be one thing if he was throwing 89, 90, and 
um, you know, not having a very high spin rate and getting outs, you would kind of question whether or not that was something that was going to really translate and whether or not that really fit into what this, you know, this newfangled Reds player development system was looking for. He's the prototype for what they're looking for. He has elite spin on multiple pitches, perhaps the best in all of baseball on multiple pitches. He knows it. That's what he's trying to do. That's what they're trying to get him to do. And he's getting the results from it. So it's like you see all of those things materialize and it's like, okay, you can't call that a fluke when they're trying to get him to do all of these things. They're ticking all the boxes and then you look up and it's zeros, you know, across the board on all the important stats. And so that to me stands out more than anything because he's leaning into exactly what they're asking him to do, what the entire organizational philosophy is and getting elite results from it. And that's the part that makes me so excited about him. Um, kind of the inverse well, of that. Uh, offensively, Jonathan India kind of fits that mold as well. Uh, a guy they were very high on, uh, is finally healthy, no wrist injuries whatsoever, and is leaning into the versatility that they've asked him to do because they've blocked him at pretty much every spot he otherwise would play. And he's looked incredibly impressive playing all those spots while also showing offensively what they hoped they would when drafting him fifth overall. So, yeah, those two guys to me really, really uh, uh, have stood out so far in camp. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when it, especially, you know, even going back to Antone um, a little bit more, just kind of thinking about the, the organization. We, we can talk about T.J. Antone all night. I, I yeah, will, I will we, we, we might as well just night. rename this the, the T.J. Antone show. But Exactly. Um, you know, I, I mean, when you think about the organizational philosophy of, you know, spinning the ball and, you know, and everything that kind of Derek Johnson preaches um, and all the driveline stuff, you know, it's it's interesting to see him out there and really, really doing it. But I think it's also one thing that I don't think anyone's really talked about and has hasn't really given a lot of credit um, where it's probably due is to Trevor Bauer, who or to their job that they did with Trevor Bauer, because Trevor Bauer is that guy too, right? He's always been, he's a, one of the very first driveline guys to make the big leagues. He's, you know, very focused on his spin rate, very focused on kind of the way his pitches are moving, his, you know, pitch shape um, and all that, all of that stuff that he's nerded out over. And, you know, we're now seeing more of an organizational philosophy towards it. Trevor Bauer just won a Cy Young with the Reds. And that's the first, time that's ever happened so yeah no, you know when you think about true. what the i i think that makes me more excited about the future of a tj antone where you know we've now seen a pitcher come in with this pitching coach with this you know de developmental staff and do what they wanted to do and win a cy young award you know i i, I feel like the ceiling is so much higher for Reds pitchers now than it ever has been. And I'm really interested to see kind of how Antone, but some of the other guys that they picked up pan out that they, you know, trust in. Yeah. Who, who would have thought that, you know, here we are, what, 20 years removed from the 2001 Oakland athletics and how on base percentage and the unwillingness to make outs offensively, became that 
new market inefficiency for a club that didn't want to spend money. And here we are 20 years later, and maybe it's spin rate. Maybe it is spin rate on the pitching end of things that really is that next new market inefficiency that the Reds are kind of leaning into. And as we entered this offseason, we wondered, the Reds hired all the people that wanted to make Trevor Bauer a big thing. Trevor Bauer became a big thing and had great success with the Reds. Would the Reds pay to keep Trevor Bauer or would they try to find the next Trevor Bauer? And it seems that they very obviously didn't want to spend money and wanted to find the next one. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this amalgamation of arms that are spinning the living hell out of the ball and having so far, knock on wood, some pretty impressive success with it. So, yeah, I, I think that so far has been the defining line of this offseason. And um, whether we like the fact that the Reds chose not to spend money into it or not, it's what they've leaned heavily into. And um, so far, some of the arms they've uncovered have been in incredibly impressive as a result of it. And so, um, yeah, that's, I, I think, a pretty good – Pretty good uh, uh, a spot to, to to leave this particular episode as we watch the end of this game and see where the Reds are in week two of spring training. Um, but those are the things that have kind of stood out to us so far, I think. Uh, any final thoughts, Tony? You got anything else? Uh, Bo Takahashi is pitching now, uh, and he is somebody that I just learned as a Cincinnati Red. There you go. That's, that's, a, that's a thing I learned today. The, the that's beauty- uh... The beauty of Cactus League play on television. You can finally find all these things out, right? And he's yeah. facing James Altman and can hopefully get him out, man. Um, <laughs> no. yeah. Now we have yeah. to end, don't we? Uh, good God. Um, Pete, what do you think, man? Uh, I mean, no, that's the that's what spring training is for, right? It's for the, the late innings of, of these early games, seeing number 81 on the mound and being like, I guess number ninety-seven. I gotta look up who that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bo, Bo Takahashi, Brazilian. Indeed, indeed. Brazilian phenom. Yeah. So, so uh, another guy who's not going to make the roster. But <laughs> hopefully, the options, hopefully, hopefully has an option, and hopefully can be a depth piece. Hey, because yeah. Of, if, yeah. If he has yeah. options, though, stash him. Oh, yeah, stash him. <laughs> well, good stuff, guys. Uh, thank you both for joining me. Um, you can follow us. On Twitter, at Red Reporter, you can find all of our writing at redreporter.com. Uh, we are on SoundCloud. We are on all of those other iTunes and podcast-related devices that you can find us on. We're the Red Reporter Podcast. You can look us up. Um, thanks for joining us again this week. We'll be back at you at some point later on in the spring training, getting caught up on everything else, who the hell the shortstop is, what the rotation is going to look like, whether or not anybody has any options remaining or not. Uh, but until then, thanks for joining us. I'm Wick, and we'll see.